1: The New Statesman.
2: Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Rachel. And I'm Freddie. And this is The New Statesman's politics podcast. This is an episode we like to call...
1: US US
2: In today's episode, we'll be answering your questions on Sadiq Khan and whether the Tories are really doomed in London and Labour comparing the UK to Eastern Europe. I'm Anusha am Britain editor of The New Statesman, and joining me in the studio, I have our deputy political editor, Rachel Wearmouth, and political correspondent, Freddie Hayward, who have been digging around in our virtual mailbag and have brought a question for us to discuss from some of our listeners. So, Rachel, you've got the first question submitted by a listener called Yatsik, I think that's how you pronounce it, which we've been meaning to get to for a while, actually, because we thought it was a good question, but we haven't managed to fit it in yet. So, what's he asking? So, he asks... I would be interested to hear the panel's take on Keir Starmer's
3: what he calls xenophobic comparison between the UK's and Poland's economy. There are a lot of different angles to tackle the Tories from without alienating people from Central Europe. I saw that David Lammy was using Romania as well.
2: Okay, so we thought this was a good question. And just in case any of our listeners missed it, this is in reference to the fact Labour likes to cite that the UK is on course to be $600 poorer per person than Poland in 2030. And so Keir Starmer has made that point in a City of London speech and also at PMQs. And David Lammy has said something similar about the UK set to be poorer than Romania by 2040. And actually, Daniel... who's a Conservative MP with Polish heritage, who heads the APG on Poland, wrote to Starmer to ask him to stop making the comparison because he said it borders on racism and shows a lack of respect to how successful Poland has been. So what do you think of using this comparison? It does sometimes jar, actually, when I hear it from Labour figures. I really struggle to see how it's
3: xenophobic because it's saying something positive about
2: another country. And... and
3: yeah, I don't. I, I if you if you, I, I don't, I don't understand on what basis it would be xenophobic to point out that Poland's doing very well. Once upon a time, they weren't doing as well as our economy, and now they're not. Yeah, I, I can understand this former Eastern Bloc kind of country, but I don't see why making that kind of comparison to try and shed light on where the UK is really is a xenophobic statement. in, yeah. in and of itself.
1: I think there's sort of two aspects to it. You've got the a statement of fact that poland i think it's by the end of the 20s is set given their current growth rates to have a higher gdp per capita than the uk now it depends on how it's said whether there's a sneering tone to it which basically says that we don't want to be like these people therefore we need to try hard so why are you suggesting that it's so bad to be like these people. I think that's the crux of the issue. And I think if you look at Poland's economy in general, I mean, they've grown so much since the 90s. They were one of the only countries not to suffer GDP decline in during the financial crisis, and they're growing at like 3.5% in the past decade. Whereas, I think we've averaged about 0.5. It's tricky. I think it very much comes down to the tone. You can't just say someone's or say something xenophobic simply because they're making a comparison between countries, as it's, as you say, Anush. It can be sometimes jarring when you hear that because there's that underlying tone of we would never want to be like them, therefore we need to do something different.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's the thing. There's an assumption underneath making points like this, which is this country ought to be poorer than we yeah. are. And actually, perhaps perhaps to argue in favour of Labour, perhaps it's reasonable to expect the UK to be doing better mm-hmm. than Poland, because Poland, we know in our recent history that a lot of Polish people came here to work, particularly because of the EU allowing them to do so. I think it's one of the biggest diasporas in the UK and that would suggest that it is a country that has in the past, in the recent past, been less economically prosperous than the UK. So perhaps it's a fair thing to say in that sense. But to me, it, it does sound, I, yeah, I mean, I often cringe slightly at the comparison yeah. because why on earth should Poland be doing any worse than the UK now when, like you say, it's had success with building its growth? Or, or you know, why shouldn't it be doing well? Yeah. yeah, quite.
3: But I think there is a sort of, I guess what Lib was trying to get at with this is that, yeah, as you say, a lot of Polish people probably found the UK very aspirational to yeah. come to. and the situation might be slightly different now but i just don't see how it's xenophobic i think Pointing to it as xenophobic kind of feels a bit xenophobic. Just <laughs> say, why shouldn't <laughs> be Poland be doing yeah, that? Why, you mean. why do people view them? For sure.
2: Why do people view it that way? I
3: just don't get the premise yeah. of it, really.
2: But. And the bald facts really are quite awkward for the government in any case. I remember there was an FT piece a while ago, which I think the headline was something like Britain is now a poor society just with some very rich people in it. Yeah. And it made some of these comparisons that the average Slovenian household will be better off than its British counterpart by 2024. Now, obviously, Slovenia's economy is far smaller than that of the uk it is it shouldn't be be a comparison and that's not to be xenophobic that is just by rankings of gdp it is just so much smaller whereas we're supposed to be one of the richest countries in europe so i do think a contrast like that really did stand out i remember it caught a lot of people's imagination yeah
1: we had the same with the italy comparison as well Mm. i think it's when the economist was it the economist had italy we're going to be poorer than italy Brittany, yeah on their cover and that instigated a lot of criticism because people were saying what's wrong with italy yeah a a similar point
3: yeah i was there's also just a broader point that there's this kind of like a useless comparison in some ways (laughs) because we have different economies in terms of the mix of the economy for a start but also so that so how what are their green targets like how do they have a very green economy how equally is, is growth being spread that kind of question is something that can backfire if you want to go down this path in politics so
1: yeah and the crux of it is that we've not been growing (laughs) yeah. We're, <laughs> our economy is not doing very well so That's the key point I think the politicians are trying to convey
2: Yes exactly And w- what struck me during this conversation actually Just as a final point is These kind of facts do undermine the argument That, you, that people often make in terms of immigration When you want, when some politicians argued That actually it's immoral to take so many workers From certain countries Because it impoverishes those yeah. countries it Clearly hasn't happened in Poland or Romania Or mm. some of the other Eastern European countries That that's are mentioned so. in these comparisons Which is interesting After the break, Freddie will introduce his question. So give us a clue on what your question is about, Freddie.
1: It is about Sadiq Khan. How's he going to do?
2: If you're subscribed to The New Statesman, you can get all our episodes ad-free on The New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back in a couple of minutes.
1: If you enjoy The New Statesman podcast, then you'll love our daily politics newsletter, Morning Call. It's a quick, essential guide to the big political story each morning by me, Freddie Hayward, and Rachel Weymouth, featuring original reporting from Westminster and beyond, our analysis of the latest political news, and some recommendations of the best reads of the day. Sign up for free at the link in the podcast description.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts?
2: So, Freddie, I think we're doing our first ever question from a YouTube commenter today, which means that you get to read out their handle in whatever Mm. pronunciation you would like to use. I'm going to
1: go with at (laughs) car12d8. Hello, at (laughs) car12d8.
2: Sounds like a Star Wars character. So So what do they ask? (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, so not the main point of the conversation, Car12D8 says, but I don't think Khan is as safe in London as some think. Sean Bailey, not a great candidate, did surprisingly well against Khan. Khan is nowhere near as secure in London as, say, Burnham in Greater Manchester. Plus, Ulez is very di- disruptive and I have a feeling car drivers are more likely to vote than non-car drivers, etc. Interesting to see how he does in the suburbs.
2: Good question. Yeah, I thought that this was a really interesting yeah. comment because it's very topical at the moment because there's going to be this fight over that outer London yeah. seat, Uxbridge and South Lip, mm-hmm. Boris Johnson's old constituency, which is probably the sort of perfect petri dish to it, seeing whether or not ULES is going to be a driving mm-hmm. voting issue. People in these outer London boroughs are probably more likely to drive because they live more suburban commuter-ish lives mm-hmm. and uh, it's something that is going to be rolled out in Greater London in summer, so it's really going to affect these people on the yeah. edges of the city. Yeah. It's really unpopular and it's very controversial and it's something that Sadiq Khan gets a lot of criticism for. Rachel, what do you think this could be the sort of top voting issue for those kind of seats and perhaps even feed into the next mayoral election? I think Sadiq Khan still likely to win I don't think there's
3: a risk to his campaign generally, but a uh, loss of support. I think it's. I think it'd be a bigger struggle for him than people think. I think you're right to say we'll have a better idea after the Uxbridge by election mm. I think the Conservatives would like to turn this into a referendum on you, Les, yeah. and judge just how much mileage they can make out of that, that campaign, see how far yeah. they can get with it. I think in some of the outer London boroughs, he's going to struggle a little bit, but I don't think there's any mood within the Sadiq campaign at the moment that they really think losing could be a a realistic prospect just yet. Freddie, quite recently. Yeah, I did,
1: and he was... put to him, what if you lose? And there was no what's or ifs. In his reply, he was adamant that they were going to win. I think what's interesting is, if you look at his 2016 vote compared to his more recent vote, which is in 21, yeah. which was delayed a year because of COVID, it went down in, in the first round from around, I think it was 44 to 40. So there was that decrease there. And then as you said, we have the controversial expansion of ULEZ. Okay. We've had a string of failures at the Met and scandals which he oversees. Mm -hmm. Whether he's been able to dissociate himself from those is an interesting question. And then the other thing to consider is that we've got first-past-the-post coming as the electoral... A system for the next election. So traditionally that favours the third part parties, but that's only if it gets communicated to people. If people now understand that rather than having a first preference and a second preference, they just have a single vote like you would in a general election. If if that's the case, then maybe he's going to be able to get a few tactical votes on the Lib Dems and the Greens, but we don't know. We'll see. It depends if it's communicated. But this this mm. is
3: the kind of curious thing about you, Les. It's actually quite popular with Lib Dems and Greens, <laughs> yeah. which so it's yeah. viewed as a negative thing for him amongst Conservative voters in some of those London boroughs but there's a lot of kind of eco-conscious Green voters yeah. Lib Dem voters who might be willing to throw a stick uh, their vote this time precisely because of you. So but it might not be the huge negative thing for him that everyone currently assumes it is yeah. but I think Freddie's right to point out that the dip in his vote last time against yeah. Sean Bailey who is a very unpopular yeah. scan- numerous scandal hit yeah. kind of mayoral candidate and he actually did quite well but I think Surprising
2: that, even Tories they yeah, were quite down on him yeah. Yeah. They were yeah. Like, yeah,
3: quite, yeah, I think at the time Boris Johnson cut his campaign loose to some extent, hadn't it? Yeah, yeah there was uh, no support. There it, was not no support, much support from, from at all. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I think it's interesting to note just how early Steak's campaign is out of the blocks this time. Yeah. Um, the box out. Yeah, and uh, how much effort they're putting into raising yeah. his profile, trying to like diffuse problems before they come up. So I think they're... On their guard for a loss of support this time
1: yeah. yeah i think the key thing is that he has to retain that labor vote mm. because he's already in, he's an incumbent london is traditionally a labor city has having said that Robert Johnson was there for eight years mm. but mm. more broadly and it's interesting we had some polling from yougov i think which was from april and he is not doing too well 38 percent of people think he's doing well compared to 48 think he's doing badly even 44 percent of labor voters think he's doing badly on transport more labor voters think he's doing badly on crime and housing than they think he's doing well so they're on policy as well, he is struggling. It's interesting, when I interviewed him, I think it was uh, about two weeks ago now, and one of the interesting things he said that was that he's concerned the National Party are treating London and urban areas as they did treat the Red Wall. He's concerned there's a complacency about urban areas, and he's Concern that, not in the foreseeable future, but in the long term, perhaps Mm. this pivot to the Red Wall might see them lose votes in urban areas.
2: Yeah, I've heard other Labour London politicians make the same argument. And And
1: they would say that.
2: Yeah, they would say that, but also... Just judging by history, that is what will happen yeah. unless something changes. Because mm. when you talk to, when I was talking to Anna Sawar in Scotland, who was talking about the the years of Labour in the doldrums because they took those Scottish seats for granted. Same mm. sort of pattern of complacency in the Red Wall and the mm. sort of similar seats in Wales as well. Mm. That is what happens when you take voters for granted. They eventually find somewhere else to go. Mm. No one would have thought that all of those seats in, in, in the North and in the Midlands would have gone Tory at yeah. one time. And nobody thinks that any of these yeah. seats in London are going to. Go Tory or
1: no, whatever but could, other party.
2: It, can, it will happen.
1: Yeah, but are they taking them for granted? That's the question. I right. think there's a presumption or an assumption that they are doing so just because they're talking about immigration and Brexit in a slightly different way. It's not yeah. as if then Labour doesn't now appeal to urban voters with some of green policies or whatever your stereotype is of urban voters. I don't think they're necessarily being complacent about them just because they're trying to attract voters in the Red Wall.
2: But you do see Sadiq Khan saying things to you that are not really the party line. Like in your interview yeah. it was interesting how yeah. he was saying he wants to rejoin the single market and customs union and that he was trying to say that conversation was already happening. I thought that was a really He was, line. Yeah, it
1: was. He used- yeah.
2: Which they would not want be wanting him to stay.
1: Right? <laughs> I don't know, this is the question, isn't it? He was also quite critical of the hardening line on immigration. Yeah. He's He made this very revealing and I think reasonably damning comparison between the EU and a tennis club and he basically mm. says we want to be inside of the tennis club because it's so bad being outside and I basically put it to him do you not think this is one of the reasons that people voted for Brexit in the first place? because they didn't like the people in the tennis club, they didn't like the fact that everyone was saying it's so much better Not to be in the tennis Not many Londoners club. voted for Brexit, though. So. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly but, and Lots said,
2: of tennis clubs in outer London. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: So. Yeah. That, he knows what he's doing. He knows what
1: he's doing. He? <laughs> I, he played me in the interview, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: I think it's your broader point, though. It, it is interesting he's prepared to define himself against some yeah. of the current Labour leadership, and, yes. and he obviously knows that will benefit him, but whether voters will actually credit him for doing that and credit and think that for, that... Therefore, he will still be influential on their behalf when it comes to, say, a Labour government, which is might be the test by the time yeah. we get to the to yeah. both of those elections. It's going to be an interesting question to watch.
2: Yeah, yeah. And one thing, one thing that I would think on this question in particular mm. about you, Les, and also what you mentioned about the failings of the Met. Is these things have been priced in about Khan's mayoralty for quite a long time among his detractors in London. People have always tried to link him with violence and knife crime, yeah. as well as linking him with low traffic neighbourhoods, for example, which have been very unpopular in some London boroughs and have been rolled back, but were actually a central government policy. They weren't they were Grant yeah. shops they weren't city Khan. So mm. people have I think those people who dislike his mayoralty for those reasons. That all that happened a few years ago and yet he still got in 2021, albeit with an unexpectedly tight result. Yeah, and I, th- I think
3: there's... Uh, Scottish voters are quite sophisticated in this respect in that they know exactly what the Scottish Parliament's responsible for and exactly what Westminster's <laughs> Often because SNP politicians will talk about that yeah. an awful lot, um, yeah. <laughs> especially when it comes to things that Westminster's responsible for and what have you. But it'll be interesting to see just how sophisticated the next kind of big mayoral votes will be and what issues... Pub, the public starts to recognise that the mayor, or a combined authority, or or their, indeed their local authority, or Westminster, yeah. state, which bits they recognise as who's responsible for what, yeah. and just how how long those arguments have oh it's the local council's fault or whatever yeah. or how long they continue to like endure
2: Tricky for a mayor because you want to take credit for everything that goes right Yeah so That means you, you risk being blamed for the things that go wrong which <laughs> are out of your hands Anyway, thank you very much and thanks so much to everyone who's submitted questions We do read them all so please keep them coming If you'd like to send us a question you can go to newstatesman.com forward slash us. or if you're watching on YouTube you can leave a comment under the video You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan and my colleagues Freddie Hayward and Rachel Whitmouth. We'll be back on Monday to go behind the scenes of Keir Starmer's Labour with a former advisor. Follow us on your podcast app to make sure you get new episodes as soon as they're released. You can also watch video from this podcast on our YouTube channel. Just search YouTube for The New Statesman. We're produced by Adrian Bradley.